Well, good morning to you, everybody. Saturday morning, actually. We're coming to you on a Saturday, an idyllic Saturday. The sky is blue. It's it's hot. It's the middle of summer. Rob, Rob's joining us from his deck, and Rick is sitting in his underwear with ice packs under his armpits because there's a heat wave in Canada. Yes. What an image. I don't want to picture that. I cannot picture that. Sorry for the visuals. Yeah. It's bad, though. It's it's just uh, it's, it's very hot. 36 Celsius, which means nothing to you. Yep. I know. Can't relate. It's, uh, no. But and the Humidex makes it feel like it's uh, like 41, 43 or something. Ooh, so That is one. That's over... That's way up there. The wolves, the wolves can't even be bothered with me anymore. It's just like... <laughs> Oops. Who is that smelly thing up there, and what is it? Yes. Yeah. Rob, Rob would appreciate this because it would be easy ducks for him, but uh, the squirrels, and I kid you not, it is so hot up here, they lay flat on the branches with their tongues hanging out and their tails hanging down. Oh, yeah. Like they, They've even given up. They oh don't even care. Gosh. Easy targets. Let me let me get the let me put the 12, 12 times oh, sight oh, on it, twelve x sight on the on the rifle and get them. Only yeah. you would need a sight and something for something that is <laughs> laying there with its tail hanging down. <laughs> well, you know it's uh, it's a uh, humane I kill at to, that point, right? Because yeah, Rob's right. aiming Bob for accuracy. He's just aiming for accuracy. Oh my god. I wish There's, I was sitting in the front seat of a Cobra helicopter, you know, just look. No, 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 don't make it worse. Don't make it worse. So Matt, Matt gets a model airplane for his son because it's summer and you guys yeah. are desperately, you're running out of ideas to keep the boy entertained and stuff since this whole well, lockdown Well, no, it's thing. worse than that. I, you know, I got it for Christmas. <laughs> I'm just now getting around to flying oh, good. it. So You're just yeah. doing this now. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. You stand there test flying it for most of the day while yeah. he and I, it, it brought back childhood memories of when my dad test flew my airplane <laughs> and never gave me a turn. I love the way you say that, test flew. Well, I've had to call some people. I called R.J. Gritter, you know, because he's kind of into this. I couldn't get, the thing has advanced. I mean, I grew up flying models just kind of like you did, and, and you know, they're, they're not a whole lot. Um has changed in the, in the the basics of it, but a whole lot has changed when it comes to the electronics of it. And so I couldn't figure out how to get this thing to work. It was one of these that I, I didn't really realize that it had all of this stuff on it, this geofencing and this, uh, you know, yeah. autopilot stuff and all this kind of stuff. So I called RJ and I'm like, I look, I don't know what to do to this. I mean, for those of you who don't know, RJ is truly a world champion radio-controlled aircraft pilot. I mean, he's he's that good. He's in the world team yep. and one of the best there is. And he flies and air shows. Not, not, not an award-winning air show guy yet, but he's working but on it. But he's working on it. <laughs> That's true. He's working <laughs> on talented it. Talented dude. He's yeah. incredibly talented. And, you know, works in the, uh, the UAS world and uh, the aviation engineering side of things. So you can tell where the models have gotten him. I mean, really, really cool dude. So I call him up and I'm like, I, I can't figure this thing out. And he, and he goes, well, I just rip all of that stuff out and put in a regular <laughs> receiver. And then I go fly and I'm like, that's, that's a brilliant idea. So we came back to the shop and that's exactly what we did. And then I flew it. I mean, yeah, and it did really, really well. But 
Uh oh. But there's a problem. Yeah. So I'm standing out there at the field, you know, and I'm I'm watching the airplane and all this kind of stuff, and and then I feel these. I, my goodness, it hurts. Uh, th- these ants got in my shoe. And I oh. mean, they tore me up from one end and down the other. I've never had that problem before. Anyway, recovering from ant bites. Is that what you were? My foot is it's, it's all swollen up. It's nasty. So, oh, yeah, come I, on. I'm telling you, it's gross. So, You're, so you got to wear flip-flops for four days? Yeah, something is that what like the that. deal is? And something. put on some anti-itch cream. Oh, yeah. The foot is just cream-soaked white with... Uh, with that cortisone stuff, it's just yeah, nasty. we are just built with visuals today, aren't it's we? It's nasty. It is just do it's horrible. Horrible. And you wonder why we're not on YouTube doing no. this as a video blog. <laughs> uh, it does remind me of the time though at the uh, at Sun and Fun, and Rob will remember this when you tossed to us for the TV coverage, and I had Bill Stein and Matt Chapman on either side of me interviewing them live, and we didn't know it. We were standing on a on a fire ant nest or whatever oh, ill no. and uh and we could matt i think was the first to start dancing and i thought because these guys are clowns i thought all right we're dancing let's dance then you know i didn't understand what they were doing and you're making it worse right and you're it, stomping, course, on the you're stomping on them and uh and uh, just after we did the live hit uh we realized that our legs were like swarming with them and it was just yeah. a it, it, yeah you're right it's a very uncomfortable feeling to say the very least <laughs> Oh, I, I, I hated it. But well, anyway, it is what it is. So that's it. He's in prop wash, by the way, Matt Chapman. Is he? Well, let's get, let's, oh, shall good. we just get right to it? Because, I mean, there's, I think we should. I think we should get right to yeah. prop wash. There's a lot going on. Yeah. No, there's not a lot going on. That's there why has Matt been. Matt Chapman. <laughs> because Matt is selling, Matt is selling the cub that he yeah. worked so many hours on restoring said that he would fly it for 10 hours and then sell it and uh it's come to that moment so and he's making headlines why because matt chapman is selling a piper cub for seventy-five thousand dollars. wow when did, that <laughs> when did a cub <laughs> we've been asleep for over a decade or something like when did it happen that you could get 75 grand for a cub well, when you're Matt Chapman and it's it's built with it's tears signed. of orphans, I mean, it, the thing is just it, it's it's perfect. It's rare. It's perfect. I yeah, I could see that. It's a new airplane. If I bought that airplane for seventy five grand, I would have to put on it somewhere in large block letters. I bought this plane for seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> it just <laughs> you wear the bill of sale around your neck. Uh, oh my. God, I, I can remember when they were like the price of a Harley. Yeah. Yeah, well, think how you much know? that was per hour for Matt to fly that thing. Oh, no question. Hours. Yeah. That's a lot of money per hour. <laughs> I, you know, that better. He put a lot. He did. Yeah. He did. That better be a really Thank great flying airplane for 10 hours at that price for him. I mean, holy cow. That's a lot of time. Yeah, they are fun to fly. I think we'd all agree that that's yeah. that's a great way to fly. It's not, and you spend most of your time alone, even though there's another seat, and uh, it's just yeah. it's a joy. I wish him well on that. But, you can uh, smell everything. It's it's very much like a motorcycle when you're running around. You can smell what's coming up from the ground and and feel the temperature changes when you're flying with the door open. It's really great. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that that brings up a good point though. Talking about models and 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 all that kind of stuff, Matt. 
uh, is, and I think squarely in this category, whether he wants to admit it or not, I think he's a builder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he enjoys it, right? So to him, it's, it's, all, about, it's all about the project and the, the building of it. And that, that takes a while for folks to, to kind of come to that conclusion sometimes. And in, in the psychology of the model field, you'll have builders and flyers. And so oftentimes, a, a good a, a flyer will partner with a builder because he hates to build. <laughs> so, you know, I think I just what I'm enjoying most about this right now is you are slow, you are almost so far into the corner. Yeah, you can't get out right now. I can't get that's, out right now. That's right. That's right. Because there's a 172 that yeah. almost has your name on it I, right yeah, now. Man. I know. I know. I know. It's a, it's it's project I was, season. I was thinking more along the lines that you painted you painted yourself into a corner as describing Matt as a builder and not so much a pilot. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, think about that. You know, that when it comes to the model stuff and the project side of it, I mean, I think he finds we need to have him back on. Matt's kind of elusive. Yes, and he doesn't talk very yeah. much when he comes on. But I think I think he enjoys this. I think it's great. I think I hope he. I look forward to seeing what he comes out with because he's a phenomenal builder. So yeah, well, and, and, and his, his RC RC stuff, stuff is yeah, that's right, Rick. His that F eighty six with the Canadian markings is phenomenal. Yeah, between really him flying the Canadian jet and Matt flying his Canadian chipmunk, Rob, we've got to get you to buy something Canadian now. Uh, okay, I'll work on it. Um, how much do you cost, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, despite what you may think, I'm not for sale. Yeah. I thought we all were. We have to find out. Take us behind the scenes, Rob, uh, with what went on with the uh, the flyover in Washington D.C. Because oh. that looked like it was pretty cool. I saw Boggs. As Boggs' son was there, and uh, yes, James was there. I get you bring him for shade, is what you do, because he's big guy. He's like six eight or something, isn't he? Yeah, they're they're yeah. all that big. They're all huge. And you ever been to dinner with the with the entire Boggs family? No. Oh yeah, I had the privilege of going with with Wayne and Carolyn and a few of their friends, and and then Kevin Kevin joined us from uh, from out at Huntington Beach, and everybody I think at the table was about seven feet tall, except me. <laughs> except you. <laughs> I say, and I wasn't so, going to say a word. I was just going to yeah. sit here. I'll let Matt handle this because you yeah, know. Except me. So <laughs> we're not going. to. I, I sat with the kids down there who were still taller than I was. The Boggs children, they're all in the sixes, you know, six feet high and whatnot. Yeah, it's a big family, very tall family. Oh, God, I hope there's pictures. <laughs> I hope there's pictures of that. I think we just change Matt Jolly and just call him the Hobbit. Yeah, well, there so you go. Thanks. What, what is the Lincoln bedroom like? Yeah, yeah, Rob, tell us what it's like there. <laughs> never got there, but I did get inside the White House. But the whole deal was really pretty amazing uh, because the the uh, the folks from Air Combat Command, specifically Chris McAleer, call sign Nike, uh, was the guy that got in touch with me and said somebody had mentioned my name at the White House and, and it all worked out that I was there. And the coordination that... And the and the responsibility that was heaped on Nike uh, really kept him kept him really really working hard, and they didn't 
it was, you know, you do corporate meetings and there is a producer who will keep everything on time and the, the chief executive speech is going to be X number of minutes long. Well, you can say that except for everybody except the president of the United States who will speak as long as he darn well pleases. So when when the stake was put in the ground as to when the first airplanes would come over, it was an estimate based on where they were in the printed provided copy of the president's speech, but not if he departed from the speech. So with 10 minutes before I started, I didn't know if I'd have one minute, two minutes, five or seven or whatever minutes to fill before the first airplanes came over. As it turned out, I didn't even have a minute. I didn't get <laughs> my... my we there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, the Golden Knights are five feet from the ground. Now our national anthem, whatever. <laughs> so it was... I, I found myself doing what you guys and I always do at a show. We look up and we check out the action because that's all we could do. And I had told when I was approached about this, I said, you're going to have to tell the people at the White House, I will read the script and I will provide a full script. But if something flexes, they got to understand that I am going to depart from this script and ad lib. They got to understand that. Is that OK? And they all said, yes, they they, there was some sense of trust there. So it all works out. But they're not going to worry about that. They've got snipers trained on you all the time. That's right. <laughs> they were ready. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, so it, it, it came off very well. What was interesting is that the, uh, the guys doing television for it were shooting things oftentimes way ahead of when they were the airplanes I was supposed to be talking about. So I had to look at this monitor and look at the big screens out there in the lawn. I was on the south lawn of the White House, right near the West Wing, and actually where the balconies come down in the center where the president and Mrs. and First Lady, Mrs. Trump, uh, came down. Uh, I got video of them walking down, and I, and I had said to a general from the White House military office that I would give my left to meet the president. And he said, well, it probably can't do it wait, here. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did I, you, what I told, what did, what did you I, say? I said, I, I you said, were breaking I up, you were breaking my, up a little bit. I said, I give my left Oops, he did it again. to meet the president. That's what I said. <laughs> and he said, probably not this time, but maybe, you know, in the future. I said, well, whatever. Well, game day, Saturday, he took me inside the gate. I parked there on the White House parking lot. And they walked me into a medical facility, swabbed out my nose. And I figure, OK, game day swab for COVID. We're, we're going to go to work. Well, after it was over, one of the guys from the office of the military at the White House said to Jill, as I was sitting with her, can I steal your husband for a minute? And she says, sure. And so the guy walks me over. I see the general. The general says, you owe me one. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. He said, follow him. I walk in. I'm told I met the president. He's asking me, and, I, and I, I'm not supposed to shake hands with him because of COVID, but I got my picture taken with him and the first lady. And he says, what about the, the, the airplanes came on just before the Raptors? I really love the Raptors. And I can't remember whether the F-35s are first or the Raptors are first. I don't know. I said, gee, I, I don't remember, Mr. President, but the Raptors a hell of an airplane or something like that. I'm going, I got the president of the United States, and I don't know freaking what I did a half an hour before. Uh, so anyway, uh, 
when I when the president and first lady left, I walked out and I saw the general and I just started undoing my belt. <laughs> <laughs> well then. Keeping it classic. So Jill, That's... Is, Jill, is Jill still there living with you now, or has she just left, she left alone while, while you go into so... the other room? This has yeah. probably not gone over very well. <laughs> well, she, she was a guest. She wasn't cleared, but it was it was remarkable to meet the guy. Uh, he was a he was certainly a gentleman and treated me nicely. I was the last person in line to meet him. And I know that they wanted to get out of Dodge because they'd been at Mount Rushmore the evening before and didn't get back to Andrews until three 30 Saturday morning. And then they had to get some sleep and get up and do their stuff and then be on stage for the better part of an hour uh, while all this was going on. So uh, it was a great, Great opportunity. What I, about Boggs? Did Boggs get the uh, the honor? Bo well, Boggs, no, you'll he never, did not. You'll never work with him again. <laughs> 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 so the so the flying aspect to this uh, is got to be hard to do in and around Washington. All this stuff is cleared. Mind you, there's not a lot of air traffic these days, is there? <laughs> Well, fortunately, it was after the push, but the fact of the matter, and it's a Saturday, but fact of the matter was there was still significant coordination that had to go on between Nike, Chris McAleer, the lieutenant colonel from ACC Aerial Events, and the FAA, and the Secret Service, and all of those other people that, that have a stake in the game uh, to make sure that no nothing goes wrong with the president of the United States standing on stage in the south, on the south lawn of the White House. So, uh, but, but A, we, C-47s, P-51s, uh, our buddy uh, Andrew McKenna, and Jim Beasley were two of the uh, P-51 pilots. They had a formation with a B-17 uh, and um, and Texas four P-51s. Was it Texas? I didn't even know. See, I didn't get to any of those briefings because I was at the White House when they were doing the briefings for the for the White oh, House. Man, Boggs is done with you then. This is, this is not good, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> You're in there doing the grin and grip, and Boggs is doing the... Uh, He's doing the uh, box of hammers uh, routine in the other room, and you're not there. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, where where was the brief? I'm guessing down uh, somewhere by the airplanes. Well, the, brief, well, the briefing was at Manassas at right. one o'clock, and I had to be at the White House at one o'clock on Friday. And the, oh, guy, I got to tell you about the rehearsal. This will this will corporate shows. You know, everything is timed. On the evening, Friday evening rehearsal with no airplanes going by, I read my script. I put a timer on my script. I was 29 minutes and 59 seconds. Made me four minutes and one second early in terms of what I was supposed to read. And the producer stopped everything. He says, but you were early. I said, what? There are no airplanes here. I have no idea. So yeah. Yeah, they got that worked out. But it was, it was interesting that we... You know, they say flexibility is the key to air power. And what the three of us do, no matter where we are, we look up and we talk about what's happening. Right. So that's what that's what I did. I ended up departing from the script that I wrote about 85 percent of it. So it was fun. It was good time. Good. Well, it was fun to watch. I, I stood by the barbecue grilling the hamburgers <laughs> and I had you on my phone and I said, oh, it's time. And I listen, listen, our, our, our buddies with the Golden Knights, that was truly I think one of the best deliveries I've ever heard from any of them. Uh, That's was, Ryan Reese. Yeah, well, Ryan I, Reese. He he did 
as Boggs would say, an outstanding job. And I, I mean that. I mean, it was excellent. Uh, you can't help but be nervous, I'm sure, in a situation like that. What was he, about eight feet from the president and the first lady standing yeah. there on stage, you know, delivering that? But I, I'm telling I mean, he, he did not rush. It was perfect. He sounded like he'd been doing it every day of his life. I mean, it was just wonderful. Well, he will be pleased to hear this news uh, being shared because I believe he did as well. He was very happy. They had initially a lot more copy that they were going to do, and and uh, the timing made it so that they could cut significantly, and he was relieved that they were able to cut significantly. I was really concerned that the president was going to introduce you, and we would never hear the end of it because you... You were next, and he's standing up there talking about how we're going to have airplanes and this and that. And I, I just, I thought, you know what, son of a gun, he, he's going to intro Rob. And then the, the giant voice came on and did. Yeah, it was uh, Sergeant Major David Brown was the voice of God for the event. Yeah. Nice and guy. Brett, Very Matt, good. Matt From Knoxville, I, Tennessee. Matt, Matt and I got no responses to the uh, over a dozen emails that we sent each. Uh, reminding them to intro you as Matt Peterson. It <laughs> didn't happen. So. Oh, my. Well, the, the live coverage aspect of air shows, though, is, is something I think we should talk about, too, because that was an example of, uh, and I've looked at the B-roll and things back on that, and uh, this is something that we may be looking at as part of our future, and it's certainly been growing as an add-on. Uh, but as a standalone, it, 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 it introduces an awful lot of challenges when it comes to sound and getting it right and how many cameras you need to really play it upright because it's such a dynamic thing. And we watched the Texas uh, show, the air show that went on down in, oh, help me, Matt, is it Clear Lake? Clear Creek. Clear Cedar, Creek, Cedar Lake. Creek. Cedar Creek. Cedar, Cedar Creek. Creek. Yeah. And, uh, and live air show TV are the best at it. And, uh, and I think... Uh, in their debrief too, they'll they'll talk about uh, audio things to make sure you hear the airplanes. You know that they're they, you've got microphones, remote microphones, wireless microphones out, perhaps right over the uh, the 500 foot line or under the 500 foot line, and things like that uh, that need to be done to really capture it well. They did a terrific job, and the, and that was uh, picked up and and go with and working with crews with COVID restrictions in mind and keeping distancing going while you're setting things up and bringing a crew together. So hats off to them. Great job. But uh, I think overall, as more and more shows are now introducing uh, virtual shows to replace for their their communities, uh, something to keep them, you know, front and center. I know Abbotsford is putting one together. The Toronto, uh, the Canadian International Air Show in Toronto are putting one together now. And the Royal Tattoo in England. And they're all trying to bring new inventive ways to it, uh, some kind of a newness, because uh, the interest in these things is starting to tail off, and you, you're, you're going to have to come up with some new ways to do these things. Uh, I think with live coverage, too, I'm, I, you know, I, uh, Matt, I think you've expressed some of the same concerns, that this may, it, it's going to take a lot more, I think, to make this thing really happen visually for TV or even social media. Yeah, and I think the days of just getting it done are over. I mean, to really, you, you start to see the numbers, and the numbers will trail slightly. And I, to me, it we're, we're, we're at the point where we have to decide as an industry if this is something we want to invest in. And the only people that can make that decision, in my opinion, are really 
the, either the production companies who step it up and, and introduce an ads component to it or the, the producers themselves and they find value in it and they're willing to pay for it. Thunder Over yeah. Louisville for years has done such an outstanding job. Now they produce this, they're a TV station and they produce it uh, every few years and it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. I know Rick, you've been a part of that production and they really do a great job. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. They spend a lot of money on it, but it's uh, it's an awards producer for that station and they love to do it. But it's costly. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's the, you know, that's the big, the big elephant in the room is that we're talking about something that is very, very expensive to produce, to do, to do it well. And the return on investment can be huge. It really can. It's, it's an exciting uh, thing. Uh, you get the right sponsorship things included in it. And if promoters of some of these events get their headspace into the bigger picture as some of the sports things have and now really have to embrace without having bums in the seats at all. Formula One launching now. The NHL up here has uh, Toronto and Edmonton as their hub cities as they start to get going again in the NBA without the span, the fan perspective, but dishing it out on, the, uh, on, on social media and television coverage, pay for TV. Um, that with the right amount of investment in it, you, you will get it back. They're going to get it back in spades. I think Formula One are probably going to get it back to the tune of not having to refund a lot of their sponsors a penny at the end of a, you know, a, a very chopped up wow. season. So because they're going to get it back in the television view, and that's, that's always been their big sale anyway. They've left the local promoters of the Grand Prix around the world to deal with everything outside the fence, as they say. So the bums in the seats people coming in save for the uh, the pit area and the seats that formula one sell with their elite uh, uh, pit club up on top uh, they don't care about that other revenue that's up to the local people and uh, i think live air show tv are on the pointy end of this uh, but like louisville and like matt's saying uh, in louisville they have uh, not only do they have an anchor desk a central anchor desk but they have two satellite anchors as well situated near the airport and another one down on the water amongst the people and uh and they have not only a host at that an anchor but also a, um, an expert a, you know an airplane guy sitting with them at that point as well to add the color to it and uh, it's it's really something it's a long day there because it ends with fireworks and it starts uh, deep into the afternoon so i think they're talking about six hours of coverage but it's um and it's, they're top heavy on talent what, right i mean they have a, a TV yes. station. They have the talent that's, that's just there. So why not use them? But I think you could do something really, really, really a fine broadcast with, you know, with, with a few people. But the investment, as you said, Rick, is in, it's in the lenses, it's in the cameras, it's in, it's in sound. the sound and bringing these people in uh, to an experience that they wouldn't normally get. And it's, it, that is everything. And we, you know, I think we're just going to have to decide as an industry if it's something that that we're interested in. There, there is there is a gaping hole though in our model, and that is the sponsor side of it. Right, selling the sponsorship for the broadcast is the only way you're going to make any money on it. And we don't really have, I mean, we don't have anyone in our industry uh, that is currently doing this. So it's wide open. In that regard, yep. And there's and there's 
Major opportunity. Major opportunity. And as we look at this from from a production perspective, uh, it also changes how who is in control of it. And and I don't mean to denigrate the the jobs of the air boss, but if it's going to be a broadcast, there has to be a new level of coordination between the producer of the television show and his director and the air boss, so that it all comes together at the same time. And then the delivery of the announcers also. Also gets different instead of talking to a, a, a crowd of 50 or 100,000 people, however many people are at the show, it becomes more a one-on-one -on -one thing. And, and, and I think the approach that we would have to take as announcers would also change. But, but what an opportunity that would be to, uh, to share, to be able to share the passion for flight. And uh, maybe this is going to be part of the recovery of the business as, as we get clear of COVID over the next six eight months however long it takes oh we'll see yeah we'll, we'll see. see and and you're assuming rob that it wouldn't be just a television announcer and we would be there for the live i mean that's the other that's the other thing that you're that we're getting into here the production companies i think are at a point and i'm sure that they've all talked about this but to me they're at a point where they have to make the decision well, are we going to have our own sales department or are we going to be just production companies and allow someone to come into our industry and sell this product and then decide on a vendor? And if that's the way they go, you know, the, whoever becomes the sales company for the air show industry broadcast side of it, you know, they are truly on tap to make a lot of money because we're a, a, an industry that has never seen that. Uh, to my knowledge, pulled off. And I like, uh, I think uh, making big steps in that direction over in Europe is Plains TV. Sure. And uh, watch some of their stuff on social media, YouTube and stuff, and you'll see, uh, you know, that they've, they've, they're doing a terrific job, but they're missing the parts, too, that Matt's just addressed. And uh, we're this close. Like, it's, it's getting there. More people are paying attention to it now, and I think maybe this will be the pushover if there's money in there and sponsorship and sponsorship, I think is going to be one of the more difficult things as we step out of this uh, COVID thing. Uh, we got to make sure that we're in the right part of the queue to make sure we get our slot of the money as an industry uh, because it is such a great event. And, uh, and once it's out there and working again, it will take its place again. Uh, so fingers crossed. Yeah, and show producers should be paying attention to this because, I mean, this could be a essentially a broadcast that they share the rights with to the production company and just simply take a commission and they can wash their hands of it. I mean, it could be a good deal for the industry. So we'll have to see where that goes. I, I know there was some prop wash news that you wanted to get in, Rick, regarding Billy, yep. our good friend Billy uh, Worth. Exactly. The boy. And uh, and fundraising has been doing well, and he is making progress, which I think is is important. But uh, he had an accident uh, in that rehearsal practice, I guess is what it was called, right? The uh, down in yeah, the Atlantic. rehearsal down here, right? Mm -hmm. It was a straight uh, up practice where everybody could come and fly as much as they want. Right, and uh, he was airlifted after the accident to the Atlanta Medical Center uh, in the ICU, recovering from a broken back, elbow, collapsed lung, head trauma pretty bad shape and uh, the Airshow family the ICAST Foundation and others have been stepping up Katie Wilson organized a GoFundMe we've shared it on our Facebook page for the uh, podcast you can get information there 
about 124 people right now have donated uh, 15,550 bucks. But as you know, this kind of health care and recovery and uh, the fact that he's going to need uh, some rehabilitation and uh, and and uh, it's going to it's going to cost a lot more than I think fifteen thousand uh, dollars. So if you could, the kindness of your heart, as many already have, make a contribution. I think we'd all agree, guys, that uh, we'd back that up and we're going to do what we can in our and out of our own pockets as well and help uh, Billy because I'll tell you what the air show industry is uh, is a lot less fun without his smile <laughs> the his truth. candor his talent yeah one of the really good guys uh, he's got uh, Courtney his his beautiful wife and their new baby girl Camber and uh, and there's a great name right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you bet, yeah. You bet. <laughs> and and uh, they're going to need the help and the support so and the love one so thing please. i'll say was it was just absolutely miraculous i don't know how you could describe it any other way but there were two emts as i understood it who were at the end of the runway getting ready to take off in in some type of airplane and they saw billy go down after the loss of power and they were there on scene within just a matter of seconds. And I will say the black flag team down there, as they were calling that exercise, had, you know, had made provisions should something like this occur. They had vehicles there ready to go. But having that, that care there uh, rendered in almost instantaneously to Billy, I, I have no doubt went a long way um, in, in preserving his life and the quality that hopefully he'll have after he recovers. I mean, just remarkable. And miraculous. Yeah. I had lunch. I had lunch yesterday with Ken Reeder, his partner, who watched from 1,500 feet above the ground what happened. And uh, he said that Billy is talking. He, he, he thinks he's in Alabama rather than Atlanta, uh, but he does not remember the accident at this point. But I also heard uh, from Ken that the second back surgery that had been scheduled and I misunderstood that I thought it already taken place probably will not have to take place. They'll be able to take care of it in physical therapy. So here's a guy who has stayed in good shape. He's trim. He's tough. He's he works out. And I think that kind of health going into the accident is is helping him to recover a little more successfully than maybe uh, others would have. Ken Reader is uh, uh, is exceptionally relieved that his wingman is looks like he's going to recover. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of uh, what they do as a team in the future, but uh, no decisions have been made as yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's great. Great update. Well, guys, we're out of time. We've been our, our Facebook page. Yes, the the uh, um, show center, the the air show podcast Facebook page. You'll find the link to the GoFundMe. There you go. Uh, where you can help out too, and we encourage you to do that. And maybe like the page while you're there. Yes, maybe. Or not. Yes, or not. <laughs> touching bows are fine. Yeah, that's fine. Well, that's fine. Welcome touching bows as well. All right. Cleared for the option. Well, right. what are we going to do? We, we said we would do a weekly broadcast yeah. until shows came yeah. back. Shows have come back. Yeah. And now they're going away again. Probably. That's right. For a very long, <laughs> long time. You know, I, I had insane. two more cancellations just the beginning of this past week, it and it's just—it's just, it's a bad—it's—it's a—it's a bad feeling, and I think it bad for us as 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 announcers. But the show organizers have just got to be so very very sad, and and under a great deal of pressure to uh, to uh, 
push ahead to 2021, which they all seem to want to do. That's right. Well, it's gotten bad for everybody. I, it's terrible for I can't everybody. Believe I'm not, I, I just can't believe I'm not going to San Francisco this year. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I've had a decade of, I just love that city and uh, a decade of, of being there for Fleet Week. And uh, this year that's not going to happen. So I'm going to have to do some San Francisco withdrawal. Uh, not that Sorry. I'm, I'm dealing with anything that you need to withdraw yeah. from down in the state. <laughs> I'm you think we've let this go too long, but that's, yeah. I think, still salvageable. I really do. Hit the music, Matt. I'm going to hit the music. I got I to gotta tell you, though, it's gotten bad for everybody. Even even the Marvel characters are having to adjust. Did you read that story? No. no. Yeah, Captain America's having to diversify. He's now Captain America's. Terrible. Business oh, is so gosh. bad. The Incredible Hulk. Which? The Incredible Hulk has had to draw the in. He's gone into the used car business. Now he's just the Credible Hulk. It's terrible. <laughs> Times are getting worse. We'll see how this goes, Rick. I, I I hope we can hold out. Peterson, the guy has the the ants have gotten to his brain. Rick Peterson, I I have nothing to do with this broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did I get on with you guys? Just a sec here. My wires got crossed. <laughs> yeah, it's right. so bad. Uh, you were doing you were doing Save the Turtles podcast, weren't you? Where did, uh, where did Rob go? Is he still there? <laughs> stop it. Uh, Just stop can't it. hear Rob anymore. Must I have can't lost hear him, him either. Fell off at the bad jokes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God, Jill must be so upset, though. <laughs> you know you know who's Just, benefiting I'll the most from back. this, though? I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly who's benefiting from this show is Luke Carrico. You can hire him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend Luke. He's going to get all of Take the business. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so long, guys. <laughs> Bye. Better have him as a guest so we get an edge on us. Don't cough. I don't want to hear anybody say, coughing. Don't do that. Uh, Take your temperature. Don't have a Put test. Put on a mask.